0: Hey y'all. This is Sam's eye, Betty. This week on the show, host of the podcast, This is Uncomfortable, Rima Grace, and Marketplace reporter, Marielle Segarra. All right, let's start the show.
1: Hey, y'all from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Happy weekend to my guests. It's rare that we have panelists from hmm. the same newsroom. Yes. So this yeah. is like officially now a marketplace takeover.
0: Yes, that's I love that's, it. A, that's the idea. I want y'all <laughs> both to do
1: marketplace voice.
0: Uh, should we do the Kai rizdal voice? Yeah. Hey, uh. <laughs> this is Marketplace. I Well, okay, sure. I, <laughs> Please don't I, roast me, guy. <laughs> I, I don't feel ready to do that.
2: It's okay. Uh, but I I try to not have a marketplace voice. You know, I just try to talk about myself. Talk like yourself. Yeah. Well, cool. yeah.
1: I love marketplace voice. Let's do the numbers. Let's do the numbers. Oh, yeah. Anyways, Marielle, <laughs> Rima, so glad you both are here. Thanks for having us. Rima, I was just on your podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, this is Uncomfortable. It's all about um, the emotional side of money. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really about how money impacts people's lives and relationships, the choices they make. It's a storytelling podcast. It's a lot of fun. We're in our second season right now.
1: Love it. Love it. Yeah. And Marielle, you cover something that affects us all, consumer psychology.
2: Yeah, and retail. So I think a lot about the buying decisions that we make. um, Mm -hmm. The stuff we buy, kind of what it says about who we are and what matters to us.
1: I love it. I love it. We will talk more about that as it uh, relates to coronavirus in just a bit. But mm-hmm. before we get to that kind of downer news, I want to talk about the story that made me the happiest this week oh, just tell for us. a second. Did y'all see the one about Lil Nas X?
0: No. So
1: no. Lil Nas X, who we all love. Right. He had... Probably the biggest song of last year, if not all time, Sing it with for us. Old Town Road. I'm not singing it for <laughs> you. We all know what yeah, Old yeah, Town yeah, Road yeah. sounds like now. But anyways, this week, this video surfaced of Lil Nas X going to Disney World in Orlando and crashing someone's wedding reception. Oh, I did see that. Yes, this. we have yes. tape. We have tape. Yes. It's really fun. Wait for it. <laughs> so the video's insane So yeah.
2: crashing in a good way
1: Yes yeah. So they're about to walk Into their reception And as the bride Comes to walk in Old Town Road Fires up Little Nas X Comes out in an All white suit Grabs her hand And they dance Into the yep. reception It's such no a No one sees scene. it coming And everyone's like
0: Oh and it seems like such a chill wedding. Yeah, like, it's literally like ten people. <laughs> like it looks like an intimate
1: family. But my question for you both: What celebrity would y'all want to crash your wedding oh, reception? Oh my God,
0: Ira Glass. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: okay. Womp, womp.
1: Oh, Rima.
0: I want him to give a talk
1: about public radio. No.
0: Um, wow, that's hard. Like it's so funny. My like cliches like Beyonce. So See, she can she I can thought sing? about
1: Beyonce, <laughs> she would upstage everyone else at that That's wedding true, reception. That's true. But like, I'd let her you upstage a need a lesser me. tier star. <laughs> I want I want yeah. let me think. Um, one of the lesser members of InVogue.
0: Vogue. Mm, okay.
1: Just big enough to yeah, notice.
0: Yeah. <laughs> take not some big selfies. enough to
1: upstage and they all can sing.
0: Right, right.
1: Anyways, enough of the happy stuff. We have to get to the biggest story of the week, which Mm -hmm. is coronavirus. Um, The news is moving so fast uh, with this virus, but... As of right now, at this taping, Friday morning, we know that there are more than 3,400 cases in 44 countries outside of China. Italy has had a spike in cases by more than 50% in 24 hours this week. Japan is keeping kids out of elementary, junior, and high schools until after spring break ends in April. Mm. And this week, the U.S. had its first case of coronavirus that was ID'd as, quote, community spread, mm-hmm. which means that they really can't figure out what happened with yeah, how it got it's really there. Wild. Yeah, yeah, a lot is moving with this story. But both of you uh, have been focusing on it this week. In that spirit, we're going to have you both share your three words for the story of this week, coronavirus. Marielle, you go first.
2: I'm going to go with possible black swan.
1: I really want you to explain that for me. <laughs> yeah.
2: So a black swan is an event, often an economic event, mm-hmm. um, that seems to come out of left field. It's rare. It's surprising. Mm-hmm. It's also something that can have a catastrophic effect. So maybe on the economy or just on the world. Mm-hmm. And then oftentimes, like, people try to say later that it was predictable. Huh. Um, but, but it's not but it's not really. Okay. And so people said this about the housing crisis mm. in '08. for the most part nobody really saw that coming. Yeah. It's said about like a lot of natural disasters and things like that and uh-huh. and analysts have talked about coronavirus as that. So have politicians. Okay.
0: Um the phrase sounds so ominous.
2: Yeah, it's I think it basically it comes from for a long time, uh, scientists didn't believe that there was such a thing as a black swan. Huh. So they just thought there were white swans. So like it was like, no such thing exists. Interesting. And then it came out of nowhere when they yeah. finally found one.
1: So black swan basically meaning this could get really bad and no one knows how bad it could get. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then, in that regard, you cover the markets and consumers. We're going to talk about how this is um, is touching real people and their lives, but it's also touching the economy. This virus is talk about what's going on there. We've seen the markets free fall almost this week, but like, what else is happening?
2: Yeah. So there are the markets, but then there's also the broader economic impact. Um, mm-hmm. So. I've been keeping a running list of retailers and consumer products companies that have said in their earnings calls that they think that their sales will drop significantly this year because of coronavirus, mm. um, or that they're closing hundreds of locations in China to start. And it's they're all names you would know, so like McDonald's, Starbucks, Apple, Uniqlo, a lot of wow. retailers. So that has an impact on their sales, obviously. And then also we've seen estimates for the economic growth um, have been cut. And it can sound sort of besides the point or even insensitive. Well, because you hear
1: it and you say, well, that's less important than whoever's dying or living right now. But it ultimately does matter, right?
2: It does, yeah, because when economic growth slows, it can be harder to get a job. Mm. it can be harder to get a raise. Mm. I mean, you're talking about people's livelihoods. So it does matter to a lot of people. Also, there are a lot of issues now because many companies buy raw materials and products from China. Uh, And because factories are shut down there, it's much harder for them to get those things. Mm -hmm. And so you could see prices go up on various products in the U.S. And also you could see shortages of things people rely on even prescription drugs. We get a lot of our prescription drugs and really? ingredients for them from China, um, really? particularly for antibiotics. And I think that it shows how intertwined our economies are. At
1: that ha- point. Yeah, that has been the big lesson for me mm. this week and last week, Rima, understanding that if the Chinese economy succeeds or fails, it directly affects our yeah. economy. And yeah. we're past the point of acting like we're separate and apart.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. This has like huge global impact. China is behind so much of our global growth. Mm-hmm. And it is the engine for it in so many ways.
1: Yeah. I wonder, though, you know, I- I've been seeing the headlines. I've been seeing the markets fluctuate. But I have not seen my consumption change. And I don't know if a lot of Americans are. Doing things drastically different because of all this news, save for trying to buy masks. What have we seen as far mm-hmm. as consumer reaction to this here?
2: Right, I don't think you've seen that yet. There is a a risk there. When I was talking about prices going up, um, mm-hmm. so because a lot of companies, a lot of retailers and manufacturers buy products and materials from China, mm-hmm. if they can't get them from there then they'll have to find them somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. often that'll be more expensive. It's also expensive to try to make that change. Mm -hmm. So that's more costs for them. And then they decide whether to pass that cost on to you when you go buy whatever it is at the supermarket or maybe it's like a pair of jeans or something like that. Um, And that's similar to what happens during a trade war. I mean, that's what we've been seeing for the past year. Um, Companies have to make that decision when it's getting more expensive to buy from China. Like, do we make consumers pay?
1: Yeah. Well, and it's this thing where we have seen uh, since he took office, Donald Trump likes to associate his success With the markets. Yeah. And he brags about the markets being up and he says he did it. Right. So what does he do when the markets fall like it did this week?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. It's sort of been like a barometer. He uses the stock market as sort of like a real-time barometer for success as a president. And, you know, I think it's showing that maybe that's not the best thing to do. Because, you know, I think the Trump administration right now is really nervous that they might, you know, have a botched response to this and that might end up hurting the stock market and that might be a bad reflection on trump well you know because that's a huge part of his pitch for his re-election exactly look at the stock market
1: exactly yeah yeah you're listening to it's been a minute from npr the show where we catch up on the week that was i'm sam sanders here with two guests rima crace host of the marketplace podcast this is uncomfortable a show all about money's emotional side and mariel sagara reporter for marketplace covering consumer psychology in retail. Rima, I want you to talk more about the Trump White House and how they're responding to coronavirus. You have three words on that, huh?
0: I do have three words. So my three words are a lot of mixed messages. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's been a big week, right? Mm -hmm. And we've seen just all these conflicting messages from officials. Earlier this week, we saw the CDC come out and say, and this was like a pretty big shift, right? Like, the spread of coronavirus, it's not a matter of if it'll happen, but really when yes. it'll happen.
1: And these were the scientific officials right. saying, trust us on this. Yeah,
0: exactly. But
1: after that, what did Trump say? So
0: then um the next day he held a press briefing and his message was like pretty straightforward. He said, you know, we've got this under control. And so you you have these conflicting messages and you know, and I from the administration's perspective, you know, Trump has been really wanting to downplay this and not cause an alarm. Huh. Um and so you know, he's really just trying to assure folks that they're, we're prepared, when in reality, kind of, you know... They're kind of not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, for example, we've seen reports this week from the CDC about um, they're having a hard time with the testing kits. Uh-huh. Um, and so... Testing has just been really limited right now. Like, it hasn't been that widespread. Um, and so going back to the conflicting messages, um, in sort of an attempt to create a unified voice, he appointed, y'all know who he appointed as Mike the Pence. Mike is Pence. like, the
1: coronavirus yeah. czar. Is, yeah. That's not the right phrase They're for it. They're not using the word <laughs> czar. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. But they appointed Mike Pence, which, like, has drawn a lot of criticism because...
1: His history on yeah. pandemics or is... on... A disease control is spotty at best. You know, he Mm -hmm. uh, presided over an HIV outbreak in his home state of Indiana when he was governor Mm -hmm. because he was reluctant uh, to oversee a needle exchange program.
0: Yeah, exactly. So people are a little skeptical. And, um, you know, they just announced yesterday that all the messaging will go through Pence. You know, who can say what on TV? Basically, they want to have the same Hmm. message Hmm. all across. Yeah.
1: There's so much going on here with our response and what our leaders here are doing, but there are also some bigger questions about, you know, what world leaders will do this year, particularly regarding something like the Olympics. That
0: thing that's happening this summer. It's supposed
1: to happen this summer. Where? <laughs> Um, in Tokyo. Yeah, and right. there's rumors, at least, that it might not.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's just been some concerns within the industry. I mean, you know, lots of sporting events have been canceled right now um, all across Europe. So naturally, it's something that they're thinking about. But, you know, someone from the, um, the committee, a top official, basically said the other day, like, we don't have any plans to cancel. So hmm. we'll see.
1: My question for you both. Y'all cover the markets. Y'all cover business for a marketplace. In terms of, like, how to be a good consumer in all of this— mm-hmm. What should we be doing besides living our lives as normal and washing our hands?
2: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's not much you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, listen to—and this isn't really about being a consumer. It's just about being a person. But listen yeah. to what the CDC is saying. Yeah. Wash your hands. Don't put your hands on your mouth, you know, when yeah. you just touched a doorknob. I heard don't um, bite your nails. Yeah, probably don't do that mm-hmm. in okay. general. Yeah. Um. But uh, also— I think for people who are worried about their retirement accounts or their investment accounts. Don't
1: check it right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you're investing for the long term, just leave leave it alone. alone. Set it
1: and forget it.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And also, I don't know. I think it's important to note that right now it's still a low risk.
1: Be careful. Be safe. But like, I don't know, crazy levels of fear doesn't really help.
2: Yeah. Yeah, We don't want to be alarmist.
1: Yeah. Yeah. As we have just given off listeners <laughs> doom and gloom for the last fifteen yeah. minutes, don't no worry. Kind of what I want to hear on the radio and see on TV right now and reading the paper is someone just saying, "It's cool. It's take, gonna be take okay." A breath. Yeah, breathe. Anyways, <laughs> we shall see, huh? All right, we're gonna go to a break now. When we come back, we're gonna lighten the mood. Uh, with a little talk about a reality show y'all might have heard of. Hey. It is called Love is Blind. Oh, yes. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I it is a show all about strangers proposing to each other before they ever get to see what the other person looks like. Uh, after the break, we'll talk not just with one of the contestants. We do that. Ooh. We'll also talk with a TV critic about why we all love this show right now.
0: I'm excited. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. We'll be right back.
3: This message comes from NPR sponsored Chobani Oat. Made to taste just like milk. It's creamy, frothy, and great with coffee and cookies, but without the dairy because it's not milk. It's almost milk. New Chobani Oat.
4: This message comes from NPR sponsor Discover. Did you know that Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically? With no limit to how much you can earn or how much they'll match. Plus, Discover is accepted at over 95% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when you use your Discover card, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com yes. 2019 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply.
1: Don't you feel better when you're prepared?
2: Well, with the spread of the coronavirus, this is a good time to make a plan. I'm Alice Aubrey. NPR's Life Kit has a whole episode on what steps you can take to protect your family. Listen and subscribe to Life Kit.
1: We're back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. And I want to take some time now to talk about this new reality show on Netflix that I have
3: been obsessed with.
1: Maybe you've heard of it. It is called Love is
3: Blind. I've met the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. I've never seen her before. Here, you will choose someone to marry. Hello. Nice to
1: hear from you. Can't say see you without ever seeing her. This show, it's a big hit. Netflix says for a few times since its release, it has been the number one show on Netflix in America, like for several days. On Love is Blind, the contestants cannot see each other. They meet from behind a wall. They have dates without seeing each other behind those walls. And then they propose to each other. Only after that do they see their fiance and start a new life together and live in the same apartment and plan bachelor and bachelorette parties and then walk down the aisle, or not, all on camera.
5: You said yes to me twice. Once behind a wall and once in person.
1: This is Mark Cuevas. He is one of the contestants who's trying to figure things out with his potential partner, Jessica.
5: But you said yes. Um.
1: I actually got the chance to talk with Mark this week, and I was so excited. Uh, We spoke before the rest of the season of this show dropped on Thursday. So, listeners, if you've watched already, there are no spoilers.
5: I never thought in my entire life that I would be on reality television or any kind of TV show at that fact. like I never thought I would do that. But I I kept telling myself throughout the whole process, uh, like, why not?
1: So I asked Mark to tell me the biggest change in his life since this very popular series premiered.
5: Getting used to selfies on the street, people wanting to take selfies with me is pretty interesting. I was at my apartment gym and someone walked over and said, hey, can I get a selfie? And I'm like, uh, what?
1: What I loved about Love is Blind is that the drama and the fights on this reality show, they actually felt real. Like there's this moment when one of the contestants, Amber, she tells her new fiance, Barnett, that she's got some financial problems.
4: I have an average credit score. It's not great, but it's not bad. Oh, uh, then there's my student debt.
3: How much are we talking and about?
4: About twenty grand that I have not been paying on, honestly. You haven't been paying them? I'm not
1: no. Ooh. Mark agreed that this sort of realism is what makes the show such a good watch.
5: There is real love stories here. There's a lot of, you know, things that aren't as great, but that's the real life story. It's like if everything was just happy, sunshines and roses, I don't think anybody would watch, you know, because it's not real. And I think that they get the real authentic like because we aren't actors like everything I felt, I felt it in the moment and I was just real. I was just being myself.
1: But Mark also told me some of what you see on the show, like Jessica and him living together, it's not entirely real.
5: Home base for her was like her home and her dog. And like, I understood that. And she was always traveling a lot too. So I think they got kind of taken out of context too. Like, it's like, I'm in here and she does have her career that she has to go do. Like the world didn't stop for like the show, you know? And so I I didn't really get to see her as much.
1: Anyway, besides that, I wanted to ask Mark ultimately if the premise of the show... That love is blind, that love can be blind. Does Mark, one of the contestants, think that's
5: true? It can be. I think that we have so much internal dialogue that we stop ourselves from like genuinely feeling a connection. Like, do they like me? Do they have this job or they this height? Are they this or that? But like it's like when we can take a second and actually like shut that voice off and be present in the moment and feel that other person for who they are. And like it, you know, obviously physical attraction, yeah, sure it's important, but Can you deeply connect with that person and like you feel them listening to you?
1: That was Mark Cuevas. He is one of the contestants on the Netflix reality show Love is Blind. And y'all, we're not done talking about this show yet. I wanted to figure out why this show has tapped such a nerve right now. So I called up a critic who has written a lot about reality TV. Hello, Hank. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? It's been a minute. It has. has. That is Hank Stuver, TV critic at the Washington Post. And I asked him first whether this show, Love is Blind, is actually any good.
3: Love is Blind is sort of the perfect blended smoothie of so many other reality (laughs) shows um, and this experiment has been conducted before. We've seen people date in the dark. We've actually seen true documentaries about how blind people date, people who actually cannot see. Mm-hmm. We've seen shows where people get married at first sight. So, you know, it really it mixes all that together and does so very well. It's interesting how Love is Blind goes through the whole journey, incorporating several shows at once. It has a show where people meet but don't see each other mm-hmm. uh propose to each other without having seen each other then they actually see each other and that's a then huge then they go part on their it. honeymoon right away <laughs> then they go on a honeymoon why not <laughs> and then they go live together it's so much then they go home and they get to see one another's apartments and houses and oh by the way i'm deeply in debt so i don't even really have anywhere to live <laughs> yeah
1: there were two moments in this show where i was like oh the candor in this discussion it feels just as candid as like real life discussions between partners, talking about how to navigate having one black partner and one white partner, meeting the parents. That mm. felt so real. Or mm-hmm. that conversation that you alluded to earlier where one woman says to her fiancé, just
3: so you know, I'm broke, yeah. my credit's crap, and I don't like to work. That felt so real. Right. It's very rare to see a discussion about money in a reality show. I say bring it on. I want to go big picture even further, though. A thing that I've noticed
1: with Love is Blind, The Circle, The Masked Singer, Mm -hmm. it seems like we're in a moment where a lot of these reality shows that are succeeding have a premise in which the big point is, well, you can't see me at first. What is up with us being really into watching shows about anonymity and performance.
3: Well, I do kind of have a grand universal theory about this, if you want to hear it. Um, I oh, think, of course I want to hear it. <laughs> I think obfuscation, masking, pretending, this is our whole world now. And you can play it out in politics. You can play it out in celebrityhood. You certainly play it out in social media with influencers. Everybody is presenting a disguise. Um, We have people in leadership positions who have very thin resumes, um, who have been promoted beyond their abilities, and are sort of wearing a mask. Mitt Romney confessed recently to having, like, a fake Twitter account to troll people. (laughs) Right. Remember that? Um, (laughs) What I love about The Masked Singer is that it's a very fun and friendly way to work out what I think are some real anxieties about who's under there. And they go through a lot of uh, craziness on that show with a panel that tries to guess. It's all sort of celebrities who all kind of know each other, and yet they can't recognize each other, so yeah. it, but neither can the rest of us. And there's just something, I think, the astonishing quality of that reveal that um, you thought it was Celebrity A, we were all certain it was, and then, it, oh my gosh, it turns out to be Celebrity B. At the same time, I was dealing with Watchmen, which mm. was all about masks and oh, who- This is the
1: HBO drama uh, with the star Regina Keene based on the graphic novel.
3: Right, about cops and domestic terrorists all sort of using masks in different ways, vigilantism. So there again, I see masking in a lot of things.
1: What does the success of a show like Love is Blind and a show like The Circle even on a platform like Netflix say about Netflix and what they want and what they might be giving us more of going forward?
3: You know, TV critics have for a long time struggled with what is Netflix and what does Netflix want to be and what does Netflix see as its identity? Um, Because that's how we dealt with networks for so long. We know what an HBO show looks like. We even know what an NBC show looks like versus a CBS show. And Netflix just sort of throws all the spaghetti against the wall. Uh, Netflix is trying to replace television and the box office all at once.
1: So uh, I was lucky enough to talk briefly with one of the contestants from Love is Blind earlier this week, Mm. Uh, Mark, who we like. We like Mark. Oh, poor Mark. Good soul. He's a good soul. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you the same question I asked him after experiencing this show, and in his case, living the show. uh, You, Hank Stuber, do you, in fact, think Love
3: is Blind? Ooh. Um... Ne- well, I definitely believe in the power of attraction and using all your senses, <laughs> using all your available senses. However, it truly is about the person. So in that sense, love is blind because I know from personal happy experience that uh, we wind up with people that we never would have dreamed of.
1: That's true. I will say for me, love needs to have her eyes checked every year.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true, too. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you, Hank Stuber. Oh, my pleasure.
1: Thanks again to Mark Cuevas, contestant on Love is Blind, and Hank Stuber, TV critic for The Washington Post. If you're enjoying this conversation about this amazingly addictive show, check out Pop Culture Happy Hour as well. I'm on that show talking about Love is blind there. All right, back in the studio with my two panelists, Rima Crace, host of the Marketplace podcast, This is Uncomfortable, a show all about money's emotional side, and Marielle Seguera, reporter for Marketplace covering consumer psychology and retail. You've watched the show, Rima. Did you
0: know that I'm only watching it because of you?
1: Yes. (laughs) I feel so good about that.
0: Because you've just kept tweeting about it.
1: I've made my whole team here on the show watch Yeah, it.
0: and so I was like, I literally tweeted. I was like, okay, fine, I'll watch Love is Blind. And that was like yeah. in reply to you, Don't you love it? I love it. I literally watch all the episodes in like yes. three days.
1: Would y'all ever go on a show like that?
0: Oh, man. No. <laughs> I'm like, let no. me think about it. <laughs> Would you? Why not? Why not? It's short.
1: My favorite moment of all of it it? is when Jessica, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. Messica, Mm -hmm. uh, feeds her dog wine. (laughs) Reality TV canon.
0: Ooh, and it was just that so casual. Be <laughs> it was so casual. There's <laughs> so like no pause. There's no <laughs> She's beat. She was like, "Oh, come on, Fido. This is for you. It's a great Merlot." <laughs> she was in the middle of a conversation. Oh yeah. my god.
1: Oh man. I would wa- I'm I'm going to watch that show again this oh, weekend. Oh wait, tonight. I'm That's literally
0: my plan. Yes. I'm just going to watch the yes. season finale. I
1: love it. All right. It's time for a break. When we come back, we're going to play a game. Not about love, but about the news. It's called Who Said That. We'll be right back.
4: Support for NPR and the following message come from our sponsor, Target. Entrepreneur Ray Phillips had a great idea, and when he partnered with Target supplier diversity lead Mike Alexander, he was able to grow his company with Target's help.
3: The idea for Substocks came as I worked as a program director for a residential
5: treatment facility for children. Um, there was a nine-year-old boy who refused to bathe because he couldn't take his favorite stuffed animal with him in the bathtub. I grabbed another stuffed animal, modified it
1: to hold soap. Uh, And lo and behold, it solved the problem. My son, we had the hippo. Every time he took a bath, this was, you know, his his sidekick that he took to the tub with him. It made me feel even more comfortable with my recommendation, my support, as well as the love that I had for the brand.
4: Learn more about how Target supports diverse entrepreneurs at target.com slash founders we love.
3: Each of us is the star in the movie of our life. But how much of a role do we play in other people's movies?
2: It was a really sort of palpable fear that they were going to
4: reject me or worse.
3: The unseen pressures we place on other people.
1: This week on Hidden Brain from NPR. Hey, listeners, it's Sam. Um, if you're in L.A., I have an announcement for you. If you're near L.A., I have an announcement for you. We are having a special live show at NPR West in Culver City next month, March. Uh, we've lined up some public radio royalty for a special live show Friday morning, March 27th. I'll be talking with NPR's David Green. I'll be talking with NPR's Kelly McGevers, And we'll have a special guest as well on the morning of Friday, March 27th for a live taping of our weekly wrap from NPR West. It'll start early at 8.30, but we'll have coffee and breakfast. Come join us. It'll be a fun experiment. You can get tickets at nprpresents.org. nprpresents.org. Come out and see us. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was... I'm Sam Sanders, your host, joined by two guests, Mariel Seguera, reporter for Marketplace. She covers consumer psychology in retail. And Rima Kreis, host of the Marketplace podcast, This Is Uncomfortable.
0: Am I about to be uncomfortable with this game?
1: No, because either way, Marketplace wins. True, true, true. Right? Right? <laughs> We're going to play right now my favorite game. It is called Who Said That?
3: Who said that? Who said that? Who said
1: that? Y'all know that? how it goes. The that? game is quite simple. I share a quote from the week. Y'all got to guess who said it or get a keyword, guess what I'm talking about. There are no buzzers, <sighs> and the winner gets nothing.
0: Okay, set up. You ready? We You're t- like, there are no stakes. We tried to <laughs> study I'm for no
2: this, sticks. but I... You tried to study? Just like a little bit, <laughs> It's impossible to study. <laughs> I know, that was the problem. It's we were impossible. like looking at your Twitter feed. Is <laughs> oh, he going to give some <laughs> indications <laughs> of
1: what? No clues, no hints. Uh, mm. Ah, this one's fun. First quote, ready? Mm-hmm. I had a big part of my career here in the 80s, so I really, I love New York. I've had a fantastic time here. So, yeah, I like to give back, really, and I just thought it was a fantastic way to give back. Hmm. This is a musician who was famous in the 80s giving back to New York in a very interesting way.
2: For a second, I was going to say Mike
0: Bloomberg? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. That thought crossed my mind, too. You said
2: musician? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: He thinks he's giving back. I'm not sure everyone else does. (laughs) A musician who was big in the 80s who made news this week in New York City because he's doing a new PSA campaign. Play the tape, maybe that'll help him out. Okay, okay
0: no, it's gonna be even what more embarrassing. Be?
3: Don't clog our lungs with your car fumes. Oh, well. Billy never idles, so why should you? Who is it? Shut it. it
0: is up? it Billy Idol?
2: Yes. yes.
3: Oh, okay. right, 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 right. So uh, okay. this week, Billy
1: Idol became the face of an anti-idling campaign in oh. New York City. Um, the phrases, Billy Idol never idles, and neither should oh my you.
3: God.
1: <laughs> Mayor De Blasio said of this: um, "Idling chokes our air, hurts the environment, and is bad for New York. Hmm. We're sending a loud message with a rebel yell: Turn off your engines or pay up."
2: I feel like people idle their engines in New York a lot when they're making deliveries.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh... you see a lot
2: of like double parked. Mm-hmm. delivery trucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I will say, I would love for the voice and face of Billy Idol to be the first thing you see on the TV screen <laughs> in every New York City taxi cab. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> That'd be fun. That just plays on, on repeat. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you
1: can't find the mute oh, yeah. buttons. They're just like, Billy <laughs> Idol, stop talking!
0: Honestly, it's creative. Right? Yeah. What other yeah, celebrities should
1: have PSA campaigns? I was Ooh. thinking this morning, like Olivia Newton-John wants you to get physical at school, like her song. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's- oh right. Madonna oh, yeah. wow.
1: wants you to vogue your way to more arts education. Oh,
3: yeah, okay, okay. I don't know. Okay. Go, go. Oh, go. whoa, Think of it. Okay, okay. Um, 80s,
2: 80s, 80s. The new kids on the block. Something with blocks, right? There's New York Keeping City blocks. Keeping city blocks clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah With new good. kids on
1: the block. Yeah. my goodness. Uh, Who got that point? Yeah,
0: Mary Oh, Mary Oh, I guess, yeah. yeah with
2: yeah, with yeah. an assist. <laughs> with, yeah. With a lot the of video
1: help. literally said Billy and Idol. And
0: I was like, <laughs> I, I, can't, I don't hear it's it. It's okay.
1: It's <laughs> okay. Good. Next quote. They let you use iPhones in movies, but, and this is very pivotal, if you're ever watching a mystery movie, bad guys cannot have iPhones on camera. Who said that?
0: Huh? I don't
2: even get it. If if you're watching yeah. a mystery movie, bad guys can't have iPhones on camera?
1: This famous director who directed one of the biggest mystery films of last year said Apple will never let you put an iPhone in the hands of a villain Oh. because it's bad PR for them. Mm. What was the biggest mystery film of last year?
2: Parasite. Knives Out? Yes. Okay. So this is the director of Knives the point. Out. Yes.
1: Okay. So Ryan Johnson, uh, director of the film Knives Out, which I saw twice and loved. It's great. He was talking to Vanity Fair this week and he said, yeah, this is a dirty little secret of Hollywood. Uh... Apple wants their iPhones to look a certain way in movies, and they don't want it to be tied to the villains.
2: But the villains are the most interesting, don't you think? People root for villains.
1: I do.
0: Sometimes, yeah. Yeah.
1: I do. So apparently Vanity Fair then reached out to Apple, and they said a rep for Apple did not immediately respond to a request for comment, which makes me think
4: Hmm. maybe
1: it's true. Could Mm. be. Maybe it's true. Wow. Well, now I want someone to make a horror movie or a thriller or whatever where the villain has an iPhone as a major plot point.
2: Like, as if that would reflect bad... Everybody has an iPhone. Yeah. No you know. So do they all have Androids or do they have like flip phones?
1: But <laughs> they have all... <got> razors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last quote for all the marbles. Oof. The exercise stuff never took off as much as I wanted it to. But we were working on his diet. We were making the ice cream less accessible. We were putting cauliflower into the mashed potatoes. Who said that?
0: Is, are they talking about Trump?
1: They are. Ooh. Who would say that, though? Oof. Who would be in charge of his food and exercise?
0: His wife. No. <laughs> oh.
1: Keep going.
0: Keep going. Keep going. You're so close. Uh, his.
2: Personal trainer. You- Nutritionist. His doctor. Yes. Okay,
1: okay, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that was former White House doctor Ronnie Jackson. He was talking to the New York Times this week because he's now running for Congress in Texas in a very conservative district that's very pro Trump. Um, but in the piece about his run for Congress, he talked about all the tricks he had to use when he was Donald Trump's doctor. Mm. Uh, Trump's weight was going up and people were worried about it and his levels weren't all the best. So they tried to like sneak him into eating healthier food. <laughs> I can, I, like imagine the scene, you're in the right. White House kitchen sneaking cauliflower into President Trump's mashed potatoes.
0: That's like what you do for toddlers.
1: Yeah. It's something else. You know? Well, now it's like, does trump see this and if so what does he do now like is he gonna call up ronnie jackson and be like dude (laughs) i
0: I wouldn't admit to that
2: yeah
1: if that were me yeah if anyone ever put cauliflower in my mashed potatoes
0: (laughs) everything's cauliflower now cauliflower pizza trader joe's Mm, love selling those
1: no let vegetables be vegetables (sighs) make vegetables great again (laughs) what's wrong with just cauliflower being cauliflower yeah yeah Yeah. i think Marielle, you really want
0: stop (laughs) do you want to make it later
1: (laughs) Make what? That, you know what? You want to make cauliflower potatoes? Later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I'm can do good. Y- Y'all go ahead. I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> if I were um, really on my p's and q's, I would have had as your prize for winning cauliflower mashed potatoes. Uh, that yeah. would be good. I don't. Where are they? <laughs> you don't want that.
0: <laughs> that was really dismal. Um, but That's congratulations, okay. congratulations, Mariano. thank you, uh,
1: congratulations. Oof. <laughs> it's okay, Rima. No one's judging you, except everyone listening. <laughs> All right, now it's time to end the show as we always do. Every week we ask our listeners to share with us the best things that have happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag, and they do. Janae, hit the tape.
2: Hi, Sam. This is Allison from Missouri. I decided to commission a watercolor portrait of our greyhound Kenny for my husband. The best part of my week was giving him the portrait and then finding out that the artist wanted to include our dog in a set of note cards that she was printing our dog is a
4: model today after getting my phd in my 50s i got tenure
3: hey sam it's alex the best part of my week was launching my new podcast i'm finally starting to write my own book
4: nailed a job interview and i got the job So I can now
2: move to Santa Barbara to relocate, to be closer to my partner.
3: Hi Sam, it's Pit Squadron from Adamant, Vermont. The best part of my week was playing didgeridoo at Union Elementary School's Australia Day celebration.
0: Hi Sam, this is Christina from Corvallis, Oregon. And the best thing that happened to me this week was getting on the bus at the ski lodge with my two-year-old daughter and the driver said welcome to the party bus and Hall and Oates was playing rich girl over the radio and he just turned it up and next stop this guy in his 20s gets on and sits down next to us starts singing at the next stop this lady in her 60s gets on and she's singing right behind us and it felt like we were just straight out of a music video
2: Don't
0: you know? Don't you know? it was so much fun anyway Thanks for all you do. Have a great week.
3: Thanks. Thank you so much. I love your show. Good week. Look at that.
0: Aw, I love it. This is my favorite segment. I
1: love it. I love so it. So happy
0: for these people.
1: Holland Oats Party Bus. Sign me up. I know, yeah. right? Also, can we get I'll a that. didgeridoo at NPR West? That would be fun. <laughs> Probably could. Yeah. Thanks to the listeners you heard there Christina, Pitts, Leslie, Wellington, Alex, Peg, and Allison. Congrats to your dog model. That's amazing. Listeners, we want to hear from you every week for this segment. Record yourself telling me the best part of your week. Email that voice file to me at samsandersnpr.org. At Sam Sanders at npr.org thanks to my guest Rima Crace, host of the Marketplace podcast this is uncomfortable listeners I'm on a very special episode of that show from this week and it was, it was so, much so much fun, fun. it thanks was great for having me yeah, yeah thanks for coming on Mariel Seguera reporter for Marketplace covering consumer psychology and retail um, thank you both for being here Yeah, thanks, Sam. Yeah, Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, this week, It's Been a Minute was produced by Brent Bachman, Anjali Sastry, Danny Hensel, and Janae West. Our fearless editor is Kitty Isley. Our superhero intern is Hafsa Fatima. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson. Our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grunman. Special thanks this week to our engineer, Steve McClintick. And a special shout out to my friend, my colleague, the creator of this show, Brent Bachman. This is actually his last week on this show. He's going off to make other new shows for NPR. I've worked with Brent for so many years. I know this. We launched a politics podcast together, we launched this show together, and I'm not sure I've met a more competent journalist mm. in all of my days. He's also a great dude. He's a great guy. Yeah, Brent, We, I'm so proud of what we made together, and I look forward to seeing what to do next. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye, Brent. We love you. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon.